Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Just look at me for a moment, because sometimes when we read this, we misunderstand. Paul isn't saying he wouldn't enjoy a good falafel. He isn't saying if there was a ball game, he would never turn that on on TV because that isn't godly. He isn't saying if he could buy a new pair of shoes, he wouldn't buy them because he's going to go barefoot for Jesus. All he's saying is in the primary things of life, Christ must be the center and everything else is peripheral. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, I'm sure you've seen or heard or maybe done some wacky things by people who say they're trying to get closer to God. Creating communes, rejecting modern conveniences, the list goes on. The Apostle Paul had a much simpler idea about what it means to live for Christ. Pastor Mark will be teaching about the simple concept of making obedience to Christ the main priority in our lives. That doesn't mean you have to escape to the wilderness. It simply means you make pleasing God your number one goal and serving Him rather than ourselves or stuff. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in Philippians chapter 1 with part 3 of his message, Living and Dying for What? Well, look at Psalm 119 in the New Living Translation. For I know that as you pray for me and the Spirit of Jesus Christ helps me, this will lead to my deliverance. Besides people, besides praying people, Paul was confident that there was one more source outside of himself that was going to give him deliverance. That source was the person of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Jesus. Paul's confidence then came from two sources, human people, friendship and praying, and divine. God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. So write this one down, if you will. Paul loved living because the Holy Spirit, God, lived in him. Now, Paul often wrote all through the scriptures about the Spirit-filled life. Paul understood that when Jesus went back to heaven, God sent the Holy Spirit to indwell every single person at their salvation. And then God also promised us the empowering of the Spirit. So as Paul thinks, here he is in that jail, he's thinking, I have friends that are praying for me, and I have the Holy Spirit living in me. Good things are going to happen in my life. You see, that was the way Paul looked at it. He looked at life, no matter what it brought, he could have joy. Why? Well, sometimes we forget what we have when we have the person of the Holy Spirit in us. Last year, we did a series called Under His Influence. 
we did a little iPhone deal. Take a look. If you're a Christian today, here's what you have in you. This is God, the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity. Here's what you have. The Holy Spirit assures you. He teaches you. He reminds you. He enlightens you. He comforts you. He guides you. And when we don't know how to pray, he helps us pray. And then when we need the overflowing power of the Spirit, he empowers us. You're not doing life alone today. You're doing life, if you're doing it right, with God and with people. That brings great purpose and meaning and joy. You're not just doing life with people. The world is doing that. If you're a Christian, you're doing life with God. And specifically, the Holy Spirit who lives in you. Paul understood that point. Here he needs comfort. Where will it come from? Not from Twitter. It really won't even come with a person. Some, but small. It comes from God inside who knows how to comfort us. So, God is for you today. He wants you to enjoy life. And he wants you to understand that whatever the circumstances are, you have resources outside of yourself to bring purpose and meaning to your life. That opening paragraph I read, that person doesn't have God, and they don't have real friends, and they're not sure where they are in life. What a miserable way to live. Well, look at verse 20. Notice what Paul says. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. You see, facing death and still wanting to live, Paul says, I want to do it right. I want to live right and I want to die right. I have joy and peace and hope and confidence. Well, how could he have that facing life and death? How could he have it? Verse 21, look at it. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Paul says that the secret to loving life is Christ. Christ must be the center of our lives. Now, notice the focus isn't on Paul, but Christ. The focus is not on living and dying. That doesn't really matter. The focus on everything in Paul's life was Christ. So, number five, write this, and then I'll explain it to you. Paul loved living because Christ was his reason for living. You say, well, Pastor Mark, what do you mean by that? Christ was his reason for living? What does that lifestyle look like? Does that mean I got to go over to India and go to the Himalayan mountains and get up there with a guru and go, mm, mm, for me to live is, mm. no, that's not what it means at all. And just look at me for a moment, because sometimes when we read this, we misunderstand. Paul isn't saying he wouldn't enjoy a good falafel. He isn't saying if there was a ball game, he would never turn that on on TV because that isn't godly. He isn't saying if he could buy a new pair of shoes, he wouldn't buy them because he's going to go barefoot for Jesus. All he's saying is, in the primary things of life, 
Christ must be the center and everything else is peripheral. Remember, God gives us all things richly to enjoy. But none of that really matters. What matters is Christ. This relationship with God must be the center. Let me, let me explain it to you by you. This is a homework I'm giving you. It's very simple homework. I don't want you to fill in the blank this morning. But I want you to write it down because this is your homework for the week. Notice what Paul is saying. For me, to live is, this is what you have to fill in this week. See, for a lot of people, to fill in that blank, honestly, they would say all kinds of things. Money, possessions, fame, power, pleasure, stuff. I get up in the morning because I get up in the morning. In other words, they don't even really have a purpose. But see, what Paul is saying is, he was living for someone. It was his master passion. Well, what drives you? What do you spend your time pursuing? What do you dream about? Who or what gives you security and meaning every single day? Well, Christ filled in that blank very easy. Let me give you a picture of what that looks like. In our lives, Christ needs to be in the center. That's life. And everything else revolves around it. Now, all of those things around it, by and large, are good. Relationships and pleasure, position and power and fame and hobbies and possessions and travel and even money. We need all of those things. God supplies all our needs. We'll find out when we get to chapter 4 in Philippians. But see, when one of those things or two of those things begin to crowd in, and that becomes my master passion, then my world is off balance. And there will be no purpose, and there will be no fulfillment. Well, you say, as a Christian, that's never, none of those things are really a problem for me. Oh, yes, they are. They're a problem for all of us. We can live very unbalanced because of all of those things. So let me just share with you what happens when something else or someone else gets in the center, gets in that place of my life. Well, let me give you, the as you look at that, for me to live is money. That's Mike, I just like enough. Well, how much is enough? Well, more than I'm making. Well, we know from the Bible, enough is what? It's never enough. So if I have all I want, I'll always want more, so there's no satisfaction there. That can't drive me. And by the way, that's while I'm living. When I die, how much of it will I take with me? Well, who will get it? Your relatives, your kids? And you know what? They'll spend it like you would never spend it. It'll be gone in a heartbeat. You worked yourself to the bone for 48 years and your kids spent it in two weeks when you left. Am I right? Hallelujah. And if you weren't in heaven, you'd be crying because there's no tears in heaven. Well, let me give you another one. For me to live is possessions, stuff. But that doesn't satisfy. We know that. Because we always want the newest stuff, the larger stuff. That's why when you go into Sam's, those bigger suckers are right up front. You go home and look at your little one. Been there, huh? Okay. 
Now, that's why you're living. It doesn't really bring satisfaction if I'm living for possession. By the way, when you die, what happens? How much of that goes with you? What are those little things they park in front of houses now with those cubes? What are they called? Pods. Have you ever been to a funeral when the undertaker is out there and the car drives away and there's a pod going right after it, right over to the <laughs> Isn't going to happen. So when you leave, how much of it is left? All of it. All of it. Well, how about fame and power? For me to live is fame and power. Everybody wants to be, everybody wants to be noticed. And, but eventually, it, people forget who you are. You know, there'll be a few years from now, one of these years, either I'll go to the rapture and we'll all go together or I'll die. And people will be driving by this church and say, who is, who is the pastor of that church? The other person that sees it was, I think his name was Palmer, Palmer something. He said, you, you mean that really good looking short guy that was... They won't even remember me. I'm gone. He said, well, people will remember me. <laughs> no different. How much good is fame? Take a look at this and tell me. Miami Heat. LeBron. Chris. Dwayne. Now, let me ask you a question as you look at that. I read in the paper this morning... All of those guys took less money so they could be together. Because the only thing that matters to them is a championship. Money doesn't, of course, money doesn't, yeah, they're set for life anyway. They think. Only thing that matters is a championship. That's what LeBron said. Let me ask you a question now. What if they win three NBA championships in a row? Then what? What's left? Well, now I'm getting too old. Can't dunk. Can't do whatever. Now what? I got memories. LeBron who? Anybody here remember some of the older basketball players? Larry Bird. <laughs> some of you people say, Bird? Bird who? That's exactly what's going to happen to your name. Bird who? Palmer? I do remember the good-looking short guy. For me to live is... For me to live is pleasure. Good things, golfing, sports, hobbies, travel, cars, movie fans, music fans, latest gadgets. Terrific. But they don't bring pleasure. In the end, they don't fulfill. And I want you to go to a passage in the Old Testament. It's Ecclesiastes. I want you to see Solomon. His father was King David. King David was a great man of God, even though he had a failure. And so Solomon was raised in a home where there was a God. He became the king. And as you've turned there, go to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. Paul knew about this man's life. Solomon begins to talk about, since he was the richest man in the world, and he was the wisest man the Bible said ever lived, he begins to go down all kinds of roads pursuing meaning. Look at verse 4. I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. I also tried to find meaning, just like our opening quote 
this morning from the young man. I also tried to find meaning by building huge homes for myself and planting beautiful vineyards. I made gardens and parks, filling them with all kinds of fruit trees. I built reservoirs to collect the water to irrigate my many flourishing groves. All of those things are great. Nothing wrong with all of those things. But as you read through all the book of Ecclesiastes, this was a dead end. It didn't bring meaning. Verse 7, I brought slaves, both men and women. Others were born into my household. I also own large herds and flocks more than any of the kings. Here comes the pride out, who had ever lived in Jerusalem before me. Another dead end. Verse 8, I collected great sums of silver and gold. The treasure of many kings and provinces. I hired singers, wonderful singers, both men and women. So here, he's into money. He's into stuff. He's into music. He's got his iPod full of the latest hits. It's another dead end. Nothing wrong with those things. But then look at this one. And I had many beautiful concubines. We know from Scripture that Solomon had 1,000 wives And concubines. He had a different woman every night for three years. Look at his statement in verse 8. I had everything a man could desire. But what was it? It didn't satisfy. It didn't bring meaning. And then verse 9. So I became greater, here's the pride, than all who had ever lived in Jerusalem before me in my wisdom. (laughs) never failed me. Anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work. Good. A reward for all my labors. You see, as you begin to follow Solomon, many of you say, I wish I could follow Solomon. You see, he, he did it all. He saw it all. He built it all. He spent it all. He'd been there. He'd done that. He bought the T-shirt. In fact, he owned the T-shirt factory. And yet there was no purpose in meeting. How do I know that? Look at verse 11. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless. Like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. We don't have time this morning, but at the end of the book of Ecclesiastes, Solomon says this, fear God, respect God, and obey His commandments. He said that's the only way, that's the only way you'll ever have meaning in life. Fear God, respect God, and obey His commandments. What's he saying? Put God in the center. See, without a relationship with God, You can't find purpose and meaning. What Paul was saying was simply this. Christ is my reason for living. All the other things I enjoy. But my reason for life is Christ. He's the way. He's the truth. He's the life. Paul knew of Solomon's failures. Again, he wasn't saying that was the only thing he enjoyed in life. He enjoyed all kinds of things. But Paul was saying, if you put Christ in the center, 
then all these other things will be enjoyable. All of them. Enjoy them. But never get them out of balance. Don't push them in where God is. His purpose for meaning. Let me read you from Stuart Briscoe. Christ is Paul's beginning and his end, his origin and his destiny. Christ is Paul's creator and judge. Without Christ, he has come from nowhere and he's headed straight back. One day, Paul didn't have Christ as his center. Paul had dead religion as his center. He hated Christians. He was pursuing them. He was killing them. And then on the road to Damascus, God knocked him off his animal. As he was there in the ground, you can hear the conversation between someone in heaven. And he's saying, what are you doing, Saul? He said, I'm killing these stupid Christians that believe Jesus rose again. Foolishness. By the way, who are you? I'm the one that rose from the dead. Oh, that changed his whole life. You see, at one time, dead religion was Paul's passion. He said, I was a Jew among Jews. I really kept the law. Of course, it was dead because you could never be good enough. So Paul remembered where he came from and where he was now. Do you remember where you came from? Do you remember all the dead ends you went down? Do you know what? The south of the United States... Other parts, but the south of the United States is filled with dead religion this morning. Our churches are filled with people that go and there's no life in them. There's no purpose. They just go to church. It's the thing to do. Are you here because it's the thing to do? Or are you here because God is alive in you? See, Paul knew where he came from. And he knew if he hadn't changed where he was going. That's why he was so adamant about the gospel. Stuart Briscoe continues, Christ has the undisputed right to order circumstances, dictate terms, make demands, and expect results. Christ is Paul's reason for living. We're going to take a moment, a seal a moment. In the book of Psalms, Sila means just stop and think about it. I've got you in a place where you, well, you're not out the door yet. I want you to just look at that for 15 or 20 seconds and ask yourself, where is Christ? For to me, to live is. Is something in the place of Christ. Has it crept in? Pride? People need to know you. Great Christian you are. Great pastor of a church. Easy stuff to come in. I had to look at that list. There's way more, but I had to look at that list and make an adjustment this week. Just look at it and ask God, is he your reason for living? Pastor Mark taught us today about our need to change our primary focus from succeeding in this life to being successful in what God has called each of us to do for the kingdom of Christ. We learned that because this was the Apostle Paul's main motivation, he was able to go where he did 
spreading the gospel from the Middle East into Asia and Europe. There's so much to learn from Pastor Mark's current series, so be sure to join us again. In the meantime, we'd like to offer you a CD copy of today's message for your own archives or for you to share with friends and family. Visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com and click on Order a Message at the top of the page. There you'll be asked for the mailing information and be sure to include today's date. Each CD costs $5 to cover materials and shipping. Again, to order your CD copy, visit LessonsForLivingRadio.com. This concludes the teaching, Living and Dying for What? Next time, Pastor Mark will begin the message, Living or Die, We Win. Using the life of the Apostle Paul, we will learn how to live life in such a way that we'll be pleasing to God. Although we might encounter difficulties, we will have the frame of mind that looks past the pain and towards the goal which is being pleasing to God. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in. And may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. In a hurting world, a new hope he is given.